Hello everyone! Welcome to the 13th episode of Conscious Cycling. So, where have I been for the last, I think it's been seven months now, after I uploaded the last episode, episode 12, we received a letter saying that my partner got his green card visa interview and that started the transition that we have been in for the last seven months. So I have said goodbye to India for now and after a long liminal space of moving from house to house and place to place we finally have settled down into our new place last month. Living now on the traditional lands of the Monongahela, the Shawnee, and the Osage peoples. What is currently known as Moon. Yes, I have moved to a town named Moon in the state of Pennsylvania in the United States. So in the past month, we've just been setting up our rhythms and routines and settling in and just this morning got our first snowstorm so my partner just saw snow for the first time in his life so that's a really magical special time that we are in right now i'm excited to share with you this talk on the wheel of the year and hopefully it will spark some inspiration for how you can yourself enter into seasonal living in alignment with the earth and create some rituals and connection to those points. I just recorded this session last week on an Insight Timer Live, so if you aren't already following me there, I go live almost every week except for during my inner winter, my bleed week. I am doing sessions on menstrual cycle, cycle awareness, the earthly seasons, rituals, spells, tarot readings, meditations, really all of the things I'm passionate about you will find me doing on Insight Timer. So come and join me there and our community. Without taking up too much of your time, Let's dive into the Wheel of the Year. Hello, hello. I am really excited to chat chat with you all today about the Wheel of the Year and the seasons. And um, this is my first year in 12 years being back in the States. So I am excited to have a new perspective on this with new eyes. So I'd love to know, um, those of you that are here early, I'd love to know where, where you're at in the world um, and what, what the outside world is telling you. Um, so what, what seasons, what are you noticing? What are you noticing about the world around you and the season that you're in? Yeah. So you need to take a look, take a look outside, um, something you have been noticing in the past few days um, or the past few weeks, how the change, change has happened. I'll share a little bit about um, I, myself, I am on the lands of the, the traditional lands of the Monongahela, the Osage, um, the Lenape people, and the Shawnee people. Uh, what is now known today as um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in, in western Pennsylvania. And I have been going on frequent hikes in the past, uh, since we, we moved here about uh, Gosh, it'll be four weeks tomorrow since we moved to this place. And um, we have a local park that has hiking trails that I've been going, um, you know, pretty frequently throughout the week. And noticing last month when we moved in um, or when we were looking for our house earlier in October, just noticing like one or two leaves, you know, like changing. But everything was really like green and lush. 
um, at that point still. And, um, you know, within the hike, everything felt like full of life. And then like two weeks ago, um, everything was changing colors, right? There were these bright yellows, bright reds, oranges, um, some browns coming in and noticing the leaf cover like on the, on the, on the forest floor. And then, uh, like I just went on a hike again yesterday and as I was walking, I noticed like over the hill, there was like this house that I had never seen before. And I was like, how have I never seen that before? And I'm like, oh yeah, because now the trees are bare, right? The trees, they've almost all lost their leaves and I can see through to see what's on the other side. And all the leaves, you know, on the forest floor now are, are like brown and crunchy and starting to decompose. And uh, it's been really lovely to be in that transition um, just over the last month and noticing that. So we are here. We're going to chat a bit about the wheel of the year. Um, I first want to just sort of recognize the name um, called the wheel of the year. It was sort of... Um, adopted by some witchy druid folks um, in the 1950s and the really like the the Wiccan community has has made it more um, well known in in the past few um, decades or so um, and some of it they have, adopted from a more historical standpoint and some of them are are newer and have um, names on them because there's not a lot of history to the points um, on the wheel of the year so I'll I'll talk about each one of those and in, in which ones um, are which so we're just gonna go through each one of them and we'll sort of see what the the thread is that moves through the the wheel of the year and then uh, we'll talk at the end a little bit about how to live in alignment with with the seasons uh, what that may look like for you so this is the the concept of the wheel of the year is very eurocentric um but I do know that the same concept is in many other places, um, you know, around the world. So do look at like your own culture, your own cultural heritage to see if there are sort of like festivals or marking points along the year that would be sort of like your own cultural wheel of the year. Um, instead of like what I'm sharing today comes out of a more Eurocentric um, worldview. And um, that's based on my own heritage of um, my, you know, English, Scottish, um, German, Swedish heritage that I have. So um, just saying that, so if you come from a different cultural background, do look into your own and see um, what, what these sort of festivals uh, hold for, for you. What um, has been known in history is that the um, Anglo-Saxon people were more focused on celebrating the solstices and the equinox, um, and the Celtic people were more interested in celebrating the what they call the cross-quarter days, which would be um, the days in between the solstices and equinoxes and they're also known as the four fire festivals and so with those um, you know both the equinoxes both the solstices and all of the cross quarter days that creates eight points along the wheel of the year um i i wish i had like a an image to show you the only thing i did have is just um, last week I did a year ahead tarot spread along the wheel of the year and I drew a little image for it. So I will show you that just to give you an idea, but you'll also see my, my tarot spread as well. Um, so this is, this is it. Um, so you'll see I've got like the summer solstice and the winter solstice. I've got the spring equinox, the autumn equinox. Then the cross quarter days are, um, Beltana. Lunasa, Samhain, which we just had, and Imbolc. 
And so then, um, you know, this is the this is the year that we move through um, every year. And you sort of see, I, I drew some some images. Um, you know, we have the the snowflakes and the pine trees, and then the the seed growing roots and growing stronger. Then the flowers, the sunflower. Um, Beltana is is one of the largest fire festivals, as as well as Samhain. So there's got the bonfire, the sun. Then we move over into like the wheat harvest. This is the beginning of harvest season. The berries, the apples, the leaves, the pumpkins, you know, all of that. So um, that's just a little image. Here in the center, you'll see I drew half in the sun and half in the dark moon, uh, just the light in the dark. And um, we're going to start exploring with Samhain. And it is the beginning of the dark half of the year, uh, as the Celtic people, as the Celtic people saw it. Um, and a lot of people talk about it being also uh, like a new year, a new year for people that follow along with the wheel of the year, because the Celtic peoples thought that, um, you know, everything starts with darkness, and then moves towards the light, and then back to dark again. But the beginning is beginning in the dark. What I will say is the two solstices and the two equinox, right, have a fixed point, right? They have a fixed point exactly when, um, you know, on the equinoxes, when the light and dark is equal that day and night, and the solstices when, you know, the winter solstice with the longest night and the summer solstice with the um, longest day, right? So those are fixed points um, on the wheel. Now, the four cross-quarter days um, can be celebrated more as like seasons that can be a bit longer than just one day. They can also be celebrated what a lot of people I've heard um, talk about celebrated around the dark moon um, that's closest to the in-between both the um, the solstice and the equinox, whatever dark moon is in the in the midpoint can celebrate the cross-quarter day um, on that day. Some people have put it more calendar-wise, um, you know, where Samhain would be October 31st into November 1st. Um, the other important thing is that you always celebrate the night before into the day as well. So it usually encompasses two days. So October 31st into November 1st. So you can sort of like, uh, and some people wait until they notice a, like a physical change in the world around them, in the land around them, to sort of enter into that seasonal, uh, that next seasonal energy, um, instead of like, you know, trying not to be so fixed to the Gregorian calendar, which I really appreciate. Um, so we'll begin with Samhain, also known as like Halloween, right? All Souls Day, if you're in the Christian um, culture. Um, you know, there's the Day of the Dead, there is, uh, Diwali is also at this time, like my, my spouse is Hindu, and so we celebrated Diwali along with Samhain, um, in honoring, honoring both of our ancestors and, um, carrying the light into the darkness, uh, the dark half of the year ahead, and it is the last harvest festival, so it's sort of the end of harvest, Everybody, you know, gathered all of your things um, from the fields, and it's time to prepare for the winter. This is also the time that, um, you know, farming people in the, in the Celtic region would have brought their cattle and their animals from the winter, uh, or from the summer. From the summer fields, they would have brought them down towards uh, the winter stables. And what they did during this time would light large bonfires. So both Samhain and Beltana are known as the two, um, like the strongest fires in the wheel of the year. So they would light these bonfires and they would walk the cattle through the bonfires as a way of um, a sign of protection for them um, going into the winter and like a blessing so that the people could survive um, through the winter. With, with these, with what these animals could provide for them. 
Um, so this time I'm sure you've heard somebody say, you know, like the, the veil is thin um, at Samhain. And the idea is just that um, it's a liminal space because it's transitioning. Samhain is a transition from autumn to winter. Um, and it is a transition where um, it's easier to access the, what is in the Celtic world is called the other world, or you can call it the spirit world. Um, the divine consciousness, whatever you want to put, uh, whatever words work for you on that. And so there's a lot of work with ancestors um, and people do a lot of divination at this time. That's when I did my, you know, my year ahead tarot spread was um, right after Samhain. And um, this is also a time for me personally, I reflect back on the past year. It's sort of that big transition between reflecting back, um, what am I gathering in from my harvest from last year? And then, like I said, I did, did my tarot spread to look forward. So it was a looking, reflecting back and looking forward. Um, and I'll share with you during the winter solstice, I do some dreaming, um, envisioning for the year ahead and I make, um, a wish jar. We actually do that every year in, um, in my coven, the sacred cycles coven, we make wish jars. And then at Samhain is when I open my wish jar and I reflect on those wishes that I had, um, from last year. So moving into the winter solstice, which uh, can also be called midwinter or Yule or um, in the in the Druid calendar, it's called Albin Arthen. Um, and this is obviously the longest night of the year and the shortest day. And transitioning, you know, after the winter solstice to the days becoming longer and the light growing from there. So um yeah, each point is sort of like a transition marker where you can mark, okay, here I am in the darkest point of the year, but I know every day after this, the light continues to grow, right? Um, the, the evergreen tree, you know, which has been carried over into Christmas traditions, um, was, was chosen as a symbol for the power of life to survive through every season of the year. And so um, sort of like that energy of like light over darkness and bringing that um, into the home is symbolizing, you know, like we have the power to survive um, anything that comes in any season of our life. Um, and so that's sort of a, a ritual that you can, you can do when you, when you get, if you get a Christmas tree and you bring your Christmas tree into the house, um, maybe wanting to make some sort of ritual or marking of, um, noticing that this is how I have survived so far up to this point And I will continue to survive, um, with what life hands me. So that can be a beautiful uh, thing to bring in. Also, we've got, you know, like the Yule log. So you like keep your Yule log and then you light the fire that will start um, the new year coming forward. Um, yeah, so like I said, for me, like the winter solstice is the time that I dream forward. I vision for, um, you know, the next year. And for those of us uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, you know, it aligns pretty nicely with the new year. And I know a lot of people do dreaming and visioning into the new year. Um, I just move that forward a little bit and dreaming into uh, the new year beginning at the winter solstice. And like I said, we, we make those wish jars um, at, at the winter solstice. And then I keep it closed all year round until I get back to Samhain. So... The next point, the next point along the year is um, in bulk. So I'm just bringing you back to my, my spread here. So we talked about Samhain being the, the beginning of the dark half of the year, the winter solstice, you know, we've got the longest night um, moving gradually into in bulk, which is the transition between winter and spring. And, um, with Imbolc, the, the name means uh, different things. You'll hear different places, but um, I've often heard it referred to as in the belly. 
and this is a reference to pregnant sheep uh, that would have, uh, you know, that is, this is the time that most of the sheep would be um, pregnant in their, you know, fertility cycle. And so it brings back this hope of like life to come right? But it's still very much like a waiting period because in a lot of places, um, you know, this is around in the Northern Hemisphere, around the end of January, beginning of February. In the Southern Hemisphere, this would be the end of July, beginning of August. Um, and so it's very much still like, okay, we're still waiting, still waiting for the, the life to come, but it kindles that sort of fire of hope. Um, and having like the first signs of spring, like for those that are in places that get like snowdrops, you know, where the flowers push up through the snow and give us some sign of like life to come, um, which is, you know, one of the symbols for, for Imbolc. This festival, uh, our marking of the year, has become very closely associated with um, Bridge or Bridget or Saint Bridget, depending on how how you see um, her, and um, being a time of like healing, a time of um, that like inner fire, um, the inner fire that is associated with with Bridge. And um, making sort of like pledges um, or affirmations um, that you're like putting the seeds, right? The seeds are planted uh, during this time. This would be a time that people would start planting seeds indoor um, around this season that then will be transferred, you know, once the, once the snow has, has thawed out. And also that energy of like spring cleaning, of like getting ready, preparing, preparing for the new life to come. So pu putting it back in like the pregnancy terms, right? Thinking about that time of nesting um, where you're getting everything ready, putting everything in place so that when the spring finally arrives, like everything is in order and everything's ready, ready to go for the new life to come. Yeah, the other word, the other names for Imbolc are, um, you know, so in the Christian tradition, we have Candlemas. So, you know, the Christians took a lot of the festivals and markings of the Wheel of the Year from, um, from the Celts and the Anglo-Saxons whenever they were uh, dominating at that time, colonizing at that time. And so that turned into Candlemas, if you're familiar with that. And then um, we also have this tradition of Groundhog Day. Um, if any of you are familiar with Groundhog Day, you know, I grew up about 10 miles away from uh, Punxsutawney where Groundhog Day is, takes place. But it's, um, it, came from, it came from Germany as a way to um, mark this time of year, mark this transition and to see, you know, is the winter going to um, conquer the spring or is the spring going to conquer the winter? You know, is there six more weeks of winter or is the spring coming around the corner? So it's sort of like this divination, um, as, as, you know, wildly as you think it may be, right? This groundhog is divining whether, um, you know, the, the winter or the spring is going to win out in the, in the coming, in the weeks after in bulk leading up into the spring equinox. Okay, so moving forward, we went through Samhain, we went through the winter solstice, went through Imbolc, now we come to the spring equinox, right? So equal, equal day and night. Um, the Druid name is known as um, Albin Elir, if you are a Druid or interested in that. Um, and this obviously is, now we're here, um, arrived at the springtime. Uh, this is the the time of like the dawn, the early morning, um, you know, we talked about fertility starting, like, you know, the gestational time of fertility starting it in bulk. And now spring is the time that, okay, things are coming to life. Things are being birthed. Um, and so that's why, you know, around Easter, which is um, comes around the same time has a lot of cultural symbols um, with like 
eggs and rabbits, right? So we have these these two symbols, eggs being a symbol of fertility, rabbits being a symbol of fertility because they have um, they have two two uteri that they can continually get pregnant between back and forth between their two uteri, and so that's why um, that they are known for for being very fertile, right? Um, and so a lot of things like rebirth, renewal, um, and like being, you know, coming into into life again. Um, so that is the spring equinox. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to share really about the spring equinox. It's interesting because that's like my birthday lands on the spring equinox, um, around the spring equinox, like two days after uh, the spring equinox. And well, if you're if you study astrology, that's also the beginning of the astrological calendar as well um, with Aries season. So that's that's another alignment that if you want to enter into, you know, the the wheel of the astrology astrological um, calendar, you can um, implement that as well. Okay, and then we have and then we have the other transition point, the beginning of the light half of the year. So we just went through these ones and now we're back to Beltana. So Samhain and Beltana were seen as like the two biggest festivals. Samhain into the dark half, Beltana into the light half. Um, and so um, Beltana also lands around the time of May Day, if you know if you know May Day, um, and this the beginning of May, uh, that time of year, again beginning the light half of the year, beginning of the summer, uh, or some people see it as you know the transition space between spring and summer. It's like a full on celebration now. We're fully celebrating the light. We are fully celebrating um, fertility. Um, this was a time where a lot of people were hand fast or were married um, in the, you know, in the Celtic um, yearly rituals. This was, this was a time known where um, unions were coming together um, and celebrating, you know, life together now. And again, this was when they built two, like a lot of bonfires, but there would have been, um, people would have built these two large bonfires to take their cattle and their livestock, again, from the winter stables and now up into the summer pastures. And so that was like one of the main marking points to walk your cattle through these bonfires as protection and blessing um, that they would, you know, flourish and be well nourished on the summer, in the summer pastures. Um, and there's lots of, um, lots of dancing. There's a lot of sexual energy during Beltana. Um, we've got the Maypole, if you're familiar with the Maypole, um, that happened at Beltana. And also, you know, I talked about at Samhain, the, the veil being thin between human world and the other world or the spirit world. It happens again at Beltana. Um, which people don't talk about as much because it's not as sort of like dark and spooky. It's more like happy and light. But something that um, comes through at this time is really like the fae folk. Um, so especially like around hawthorn trees and um, wells are very important, like spring wells that are um, in the ground. This would be a time where you um, like hang what's called like a cootie, which you would um, hang on the trees near a well, making wishes and making offerings like to the, the fey folk so that they wouldn't, um, they can be a little bit trickster-ish, trickster-ish, <laughs> um, however you say that. And so um, doing things to sort of like uh, appease them so they did that they didn't come and like dwell in your home or things and like cause things to break and things to happen. Um, and so Beltana also, again, that time to um, ask for protection against some of these um, sort of spirits or tricksters that want to um, create some challenges in your life, um, but also like blessings for the, for the life and the fertility that, that you have. So then we're fully 
fully into the light half of the year, coming into, of course, the summer solstice, um, which some people have called Letha, um, also, or Midsummer. Um, in the Druid world, it's called Albenhefen. And um, again, you know, this is the longest day of the year in the shortest night. Um, and there is a lot of um, just, again, continuing sort of with the energy of Beltana, but um, a marking of the light and lots of feasting, right? Being outdoors, gathering community, um, having having barbecues and eating, you know, fresh fruits and sweets and lots of flowers. Um, you know, often see like flower crowns being like a, a symbol that people will wear for the summer solstice. Um, yeah, and just really, really honoring that, that light, the lightness, um, the lightness and the light uh, in the sky, right? At the summer solstice. There is also, I didn't mention on the winter solstice, but in um, some mythology, there is a story between um, sort of like a battle that goes on between the Holly King and the Oak King. So thinking about like the Holly um, bushes or trees and the Oak tree, right? And so they say at um, the summer solstice, the Holly King has triumphed over the Oak King in their battle. And so that's, re that's recognizing that like from here, moving forward, the, the darkness is growing as the Holly King um, is reigning over that half of the year. And then at the winter solstice, the Oak King um, triumphs over the Holly King and grows in strength as it moves, um, as you move forward from, from that point. And so you can, you know, that was just a myth that people um, came up with by observing, right? Observing the world around them. So maybe there is something in your environment that um, could symbolize this as well. Like what happens at the summer solstice? What marks like, okay, now the uh, the nights are getting are getting longer and the day is getting less. Um, or at the winter solstice, what is marking this time in my environment? Um, saying and showing that the light is is growing from here. Alexandra, do I know much about the green man? I'm always interested in hearing people's perspective and stories of him. I can never find anything straightforward regarding him. Alexandra, um, I do not. I mean, I'm familiar with the green man um, and, you know, the the horned god and sometimes they are the same sometimes they are different it's um it, like i hear it different different places different you know different stories different places which i'm sure is what you're pointing to um and so i really feel like things like the green man similar to what i said is like it has probably been that idea has been adapted um, that myth, that folk has been adapted by people depending on their own personal environment or like by communities, by their own environment around them. And so that's probably why it's hard to find any sort of like, you know, definitive, like this is how it is. Like when we're talking about myth and folk, um, you know, and like I, I've studied with um, Sharon Blackie, if any of you are familiar with her, um, you know, as a, as a mythologist and the, the idea that like actually myths and folk like should be living, like they, they shouldn't be, you know, dead in that time, in that place, right? They have a life to them and they change and they, um, adapt and they move depending on the environments that we're in. And that's why I think it's like, you know, we can, we can talk about, cultural appropriation when we talk about this, right? Like there are myths and folk that are just made for that place, that are just made for that land, for that people, because that is their experience. And then wherever you live, it's going to be different. And it could be flavored, right? By whatever this, you know, this person across the world understood, you know, um, 
you know, the light half of the year and the dark half of the year this way. And here, I, I understand that I do have a light half of the year and a dark half of the year, but in my environment, like here's the story that comes from that. Um, and so I really, I really appreciate, um, you know, Sharon Blackie talks about that a bit. Um, you know, she's based in, um, in the UK and Wales right now. And, um, has a lot of her, you know, her, a lot of her learning has been in Celtic mythology, right? And she did live here in the US for some time and realized that the, you know, the gods and goddesses that are in Celtic mythology are, show up like very similar energy in like Native American mythology. They just, they have different names and they have different expressions, but it's sort of like the same energy is being expressed through different gods and goddesses. And so that's why it's like, I think, I think it's really beautiful that like we can learn from other cultures and learn sort of like the underlying archetypes, right? The universal archetypes that we all experience. But when we take on something ourselves, like, let's take it on for our own experience, like the land we are on, the life we are in. Um, and like, let's not be afraid to create our own myths and our own folk stories um, that, um, yeah, that, that describe our own unique experience, right? So that was a very long side note um, <laughs> to say that, like, I say, take what you've learned about the green man and adapt it to your own understanding and the land that you are actually in. And maybe there's like some specific tree that represents the green man for you. And like, like notice that tree as it goes throughout all of the seasons and um, what that could tell you about who the green man is, right? Something like that. Um, yeah. Carol, very interesting. I grew up in Egypt. A lot of the symbols and folk are related to harvest and springtime and the cold and the story time of the year. Beautiful. The Christian experience in Egypt has um, a lot of the Eastern folk intertwined. Yep. I didn't know anything about the holly and the ivy and all these symbols when I was in Egypt. Yeah. It's very, it's very interesting. And you'll, you know, there are threads of like, um, you know, when we're talking about here, we're talking about the Celtic wheel of the year, mainly. And like I said in the beginning, it's very Eurocentric, mainly in the Celtic tra tradition and Anglo-Saxon tradition. Um, and But you'll see a lot of this carried over into the Christian traditions when they were, you know, colonizing the, the Celtic peoples. And so um, noticing that whenever colonization happens wherever in the world, there is going to be some things that, that the colonizers, I mean, they steal, right? <laughs> colonizers steal. So the steal from, um, steal from the peoples, the, the, you know, the native peoples of that land and centuries and centuries later, you will, you will see those show up, um, in the, in the current, in the current place, right? So, that's that's sort of like the whole idea I'm sharing like let's try and not be um you know culturally appropriating from somebody else and um you know becoming holding that like colonizer archetype uh archetypal energy within us when we're um connecting connecting to our you know our spirituality or how we connect to life um yeah side note okay um, we've, we've got two more left, um, along the wheel. We just did the summer solstice. Um, and after the summer solstice, we come into the harvest season. So the first harvest season known as Lunasa, um, or Lamas, if that's also the, it's the Christian name for what Lunasa was before, um, the Christians arrived there. And so this is the, the first of the harvest festivals, um, mainly for wheat and grains. And I love that they're harvested first because those are sort of like the, the foundation of, of the, um, you know, the foundational base of our, uh, you know, of our meals, of our food. Um, you know, whether you eat wheat and grains or not, 
I can't eat wheat, but um, I still love that sort of energy. Like the first things we harvest are the things that are like the staples um, of the diet. And around, you know, Lunasaw was named this by um, the god Lu. And um, in an Irish myth and folk, um, Lu's mother gave her life for the land and the harvest. And so there's sort of like this, um, there's sort of like this dual energy between, um, between celebrating, um, and also like honoring, like the beginning of like things, things are dying. Like this is the beginning of, of things starting to decay and decompose and also we are gathering you know what is still um useful and nourishing for us so there's a bit of this this dual energy that comes in in the harvest season right so we are harvesting everything that we want to take with us and we are you know letting go of the the stocks that are still left in the field to decay and compost into what will be fertile soil for next year um and so yeah there there's there's a lot of like you know baking bread um making corn dollies like those sort of things um happen here at Lunasa it's still very much like summertime energy you know in the northern hemisphere it'd be the end of July beginning of August in the southern hemisphere this would be the end of January beginning of February um so still like the warmth, um, lots of like golden colors, orange, oranges, uh, those type of colors. And um, first harvesting, you know, the, the staples of, of our diets, wheat and grains and rice and all of that. And then the last one on the wheel is uh, the autumn equinox. Um, what is known in the Druid calendar is Albin Elfid. And this is the second harvest festival, um, mainly things like apples, right? Um, this is a time, you know, it's equal day and light, uh, usually towards the end of September. So we've got apples, um, berries, squash, and root vegetables are coming around now. Um, and this is actually the, this is actually the time that I celebrate Thanksgiving. So for those of you that are in the States and getting ready for, you know, like the, the American Thanksgiving that, you know, <laughs> has a whole nother story of colonization with it that I'm not going to get into. Um, but like for those of you that want to honor like the wheel of the year calendar, like the autumn equinox would be the time to have the Thanksgiving. It's like the biggest harvest um, time. It's the second one um, where you can both you know, still have the, the grains from the first harvest and really like make a lovely table and meal with all of the, um, all of the vegetables and fruits that can be harvested during the autumn equinox and spend some time in Thanksgiving and gratitude um, because then going into the next, um, the next point of the wheel, right? from the autumn equinox moving down to Samhain is then the beginning of the dark half of the year again. So this is a time, it's like that last celebration to like really give thanks and gratitude before preparing yourself to go into uh, the dark half of the year. Those are the eight points, um, the eight points that we have along the year. So I... Yeah, let's talk about just like in general, living in alignment with these different seasons. And like I shared, I just did my year ahead tarot, but I did it. I didn't do it. A lot of people do year ahead tarot spreads based on the month. Like they'll do one in January and pull a card for each month. I did mine for each season, right? So between now and the winter solstice, I've got the Ten of Cups, which has been really lovely to have. <laughs> Very interesting at this time of year, but like I've, I'm feeling into the Ten of Cups right now, you know. And so like each season, um, I've decided to focus on on a different card and really um, step away again from that from the Gregorian calendar that we 
um, seemed to be so um, enmeshed with in a lot of our lives, right? And step into a more seasonal uh, calendar. So that's something um, something you could do if you're interested in doing a, a tarot spread year ahead, looking at the seasons instead of looking at the months. Um, you could also do it based on the, again, the astrological um astrological wheel because that would also be going seasonally connected you know more to the lunar cycle than to the um the calendar months something is you know eating seasonally um is something that is a really beautiful practice especially if you have access to things that are um, local that are you know grown by your local farmers um or in your backyard, right? If that is available for you, it's something I'm interested in doing more of, but, um, you know, we're still setting up our rhythms here and coming here, you know, right before winter has not been ideal, but I have been looking for like farm co-ops that do, um, you know, that do produce boxes and, you know, those will change throughout the seasons depending on what is available, um, at the farm. So, and my parents and my sister have been doing that for a while at the local farm where I grew up, which has been really, um, really lovely to, to see that and to see them eating seasonally. So that's something I'm definitely interested in. Let me know if you are too. Um, yeah, and like doing seasonal rituals, like I've been here um, on Insight Timer since I started. I think the very first ritual I did a live session on was Beltana and um not last year but the year before oh, gosh has it been that long i've been here like a year and a half um yeah so beltana of 2021 yeah was the first ritual i held here and i've held all eight rituals every every year so far since i've been here um, and we'll be back again for the winter solstice coming up in in december if you want to um join with me in marking um, the seasons and doing a little ritual together. Obviously, you can do it on your own as well. Um, I do. A, I usually do a personal ritual. I do a ritual that's free or by donation here on Insight Timer. And I do a ritual for those in my, uh, in my coven, the Sacred Cycles Coven. We do a ritual together. So usually like those times of the year... Um, yeah, they're very full. <laughs> Sometimes a little overwhelming, but usually just very beautiful and full with all of the different um, rituals and and things going on with with that energy. Um, it makes it a lot easier to connect in with the world, right? Connect in with the land, and then connect in with yourself and how you are in relationship with uh, with the world around you with those seasons. So that is something. Um, beautiful that if you're invited into that you can do um and I mean like I think like just a simple thing is just observing right like we shared in the very beginning those of you that were here early just observing like what what you've been noticing um in the world around you and I was saying that I have been uh I've been hiking about three or four times a week since I've moved here um four weeks ago and um noticing in that part of the woods the change that has happened in the last four weeks from green and like full of life like lush um you know it wasn't as lush as it would have been earlier in the summer but still quite lush in in mid-october to like all the leaves changing reds and um purples and yellows and oranges and um to i just went hiking again yesterday almost everything was bare. And I, I said, like, I noticed there was a house on a hill um, right behind the woods where I walked. And I never noticed it before. And I was like, oh, that's new. And I'm like, oh, no, it's not new. It's just I can see it because there's no leaves now, like, like, um, covering it. And so I can I can notice notice it more. Um, and all of the leaves now being very brown and crunchy um, on the ground when, when I go walking. And so that's been really beautiful just to like, I just consciously, um, marked that almost every time I go hiking, I'm consciously marking what is different, what is changing here. And that's like, um, 
not only like is it a is it a beautiful practice to connect into the spirit of land but i'm also thinking about like my my body and my nervous system right because you know going through transitions can be difficult and especially if transitions in your life have been really difficult but the more we can um bring in some conscious awareness of like the consistent not consistent but like the being more consistent in in marking those changes, marking those transitions, it's like a slow process, right? We're inviting in more slowness to the process instead of, you know, if you're unconsciously um, going about your day, you know, and you arrive and there's snow on the ground and you're like, what? Like, what just happened? And you're like, I didn't even like, I didn't even like notice it was that time of the year. I didn't even notice that like, and then you, you, you might have like a bit of a shock. Like, um, how is it already winter? Like, how are we already here? Like, oh, it feels like I've, you know, I've missed out. I've missed out on the time, you know? And so um, I have found that very soothing to just spend time outside on the land and just noticing what is changing, what is what is moving, where is the life flowing, where is the life decaying. Um, one of my favorite things that I found was this um, this like skeleton of a leaf that I found about uh, a week and a half ago, maybe two, right around Samhain I found it, um, and like this, just like having this reminder, right, that like life goes in a cycle and it decays and it becomes a skeleton. <laughs> um, and like, but yet seeing the, seeing the beauty in that, like this leaf is beautiful. And like, it's sitting on my altar right now because it's so, it's so beautiful to me. And this reminder, um, that, you know, everything that we go through is going to go through a cycle and that the decay and the death, um, is, is a part of it all. Um, and not, not one side or the other side of the cycle is better or worse. Right. Um, it all, it all is just, just is, um, yeah. Hmm. Okay. The other thing, the other thing I wanted to share is just connecting this to, um, connecting this to like the creative cycle in your work potentially if it's possible for you um because seasonal living um there are larger overarching themes with each season that you move through and if you've been with me in my talks about menstrual cycle awareness you'll you'll sort of know what these are but um the time of of winter, and this is why I was sharing at the at the winter solstice is my time to dream and vision because that's what winter is about in the creative cycle. Winter is about it actually has two energies. Going into winter is the time to rest, the time to be. It's actually the time like not to do anything, separate yourself from the outside world, which can be difficult if you have like large family gatherings for, you know, the holidays, um, the end of the year, but, you know, just bringing that, uh, conscious awareness there, like moving into, to winter, um, time to pause and just be. The second half of winter is visioning and dreaming, um, you know, creating those, those seeds that can be planted, right? And then moving into the spring is when the seeds start to, you know, they grow roots and they start to become little seedlings um, moving up from, from the dark soil. And so this is a time um, creatively to like um, play and explore and sort of see where is the best soil for these roots to grow into so that they can really like grow strong. Um, which seeds didn't get roots and that's okay. And maybe that seed needs to be let go for this season. Um, and you know, it will become something new for next season, you know? So recognizing that as you're just kind of being curious and playing around, um, with it through, through the springtime, the summer, you know, is a time then where the, the plants have fully blossomed, 
um, the the crops are are fully uh, you know in their in their fullness. I can't think of another word for that. Um, and this is the time to to manifest, right? So it's a time to like those those seeds, those those dreams that you had in winter, those seeds you planted and rooted into the spring, coming into the summer, let them let them come. Let them come to fullness. Um, let them be realized in the world. And this is also the time you know, summer brings the time of like interacting and being social with, um, with others and around. So, um, that aligns pretty beautifully if you're in the Southern hemisphere, right. And you have sort of like Christmas, um, end of the year traditions, cause that would be around the summer solstice time. So I can imagine that I always thought growing up, that would be really weird because Christmas in my mind is so associated with winter. But when you align it to the creative cycle, I'm like, Oh, that'd be actually kind of really lovely to have, um, have like a Christmas New Year's type of energy gatherings, um, around the summer solstice. Cause that is the energy of gatherings, being social, um, focusing on collective energy and then moving into the autumn time. And so for those of you that are in autumn now moving into the winter, this is the time where you get to reflect, right? Harvest and gratitude. Um, so like looking back over the last year, really harvesting what um, the gratitude and the joys that you want to carry with you, want to remember, and then letting go what did not work for you. Like what didn't work for you this year? Or where are you on your path that just doesn't feel right? Right? Where are you out of alignment in noticing um, and becoming aware of like those things you can let go of that you don't want to take into the next cycle. Um, and then once you're able to like let go, separate yourself from the outside world again, and then come back into that rest and just being for the beginning of winter. So if there is like um, any sort of projects you have or um you just want to sort of like play with this creative energy, you could make that an intention um, for this next year. And like I like I said, like just a couple weeks ago at Samhain, like that's when I did my reflection time, my big reflection time of like what I'm letting go of, what what wasn't working this year that I that I want to let go of that belief or that thought um, or that action that I that I was doing and then coming into the winter solstice, I'm going to enter into some dreaming time. Um, but then I actually like, I don't, ideally I like to take six weeks off between the winter solstice and in bulk, um, take six weeks off from my business. Um, when I have the capacity to do that, because that's, that's my time to just rest and be and dream into what I want the next year to look like. And so thinking about your own dynamics, your own, you know, it might not even be, you know, your work, you might not be able to be that flexible. Um, but maybe it is just in a, in a rhythm in your house with your family or something like that, that you can bring in some of these seasonal um, energies throughout this next year. Um, and really just taking time to honor, honor the spirit of the land you're on. Um, and you know, so it may look very different from what I just shared. Uh, cause like I did say, this is very, it's, it's very Eurocentric and, um, has been adopted and come over, you know, to, to North America more, but like, um, in India where I lived, it looked very different. Like the seasons looked very different. Um, and, um, but still, like looking at the cultural celebrations and markings of the season, um, very similar in nature and how, because there wasn't, there's a archetypal energy to a lot of these, um, seasons. So just be with where you are, like lean into where you are and asking those questions. Like, what am I, what am I noticing in the world? How can I become more aware of this the spirit of this land um, and be more connected in a way that I can um, that I can honor that and live a more sustainable life like that's ideally we can live more sustainable lives when we're when we're moving at the same pace of our environment right um, and you know I talk about that a lot with with menstrual cycle awareness as well 
Um, or if you want to connect into the lunar cycle, if you don't have a menstrual cycle, right? Learning these rhythms of rest and being and then of action and um, giving, right? So finding finding that, that cyclical flow, that cyclical balance um, that is oftentimes shown to us in the world around us. All we got to do is is be aware and um, bring in some conscious consciousness to that. All right, lovely people. Um, hopefully I'll see you again soon and make sure you're following along so you can um, get updates when my next lives go. All right, sending you all lots of love, many blessings. Hope you have a wonderful night, afternoon, morning, wherever you are in the world. Mm. See you next time.